What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, Senior NBA Insider for HoopsHype.com and the host of the Hoops Hype Podcast. We're a month away from the NBA trade deadline, and that's why I'm joined by ESPN Front Office Insider, Sports Business Classroom Lead Instructor, and overall a good human being, in my opinion, Bobby Marks. He's going to join me to break down everything as we get ready for the trade deadline a month away. Bobby, what's up, brother? How's everything going your way? What's going on, Mike? My old friend from the old Nets days. How we doing? I'm good, brother. You know, I I think I had always told you, you probably one of the first execs that would ever talk to me and say hello, at least when I was coming out of college or real GM. Always appreciated that. Here's and, my the- uh, here's my theory on being nice to people, right? Like there's always <laughs> you can always there's we do live in a world where you could be nice, right? You can call people or text people or respond yep. to emails. Because I always say, like, there will be a point one day, Mike, maybe yeah. 10 years from now when you're, like, running the world. And I'm going to be like, man, I, I need you. Like, I need you, like, for something and everything. Like, I need to work. I need to, I need a consulting job or something. So there, there's nothing wrong with being nice to people. There is nothing wrong with it. It's funny you say that. You, I mean, look, definitely one of the, the more genuine dudes in the league for sure. Um, we do talk about stuff outside of basketball, which I always enjoy with a lot of the people I know in the league. Um, but the listeners, you know, as much as they'd love to know how your your dog is doing <laughs> and your family, I I think they're they're they want to know about Pascal Siakam, yeah, Jeremy Grant, and everyone, and they want to know who's their favorite team, who's who the Lakers trading for, right? That's they don't want to hear about. <laughs> they don't want to hear about you know Nets the old Nets days and stuff like. They want to get down to the meat and potato of the of the trade deadline, which is February eighth. That's that's a podcast in itself, certainly. Those oh, that's a book. That's a book in itself. Are you writing it? Are you a co-author? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's definitely one over drinks for sure. But um, you know, it's funny you talk about like all the trade stuff. I was, you know, recently in Madison Square Garden, and you know, the Blazers had played the Nets recently, and then they played the Knicks, and you know, the, the Knicks smoked the Blazers. There's no other way to say it. Uh, you know, like a cart in a Marlboro and they smoked them. And then afterwards, people were like, what are you what are you going into the Blazers locker room for? I'm like, they got trade guys, man. But we'll start off with the Knicks who have been on a roll lately. I mean, they're rolling like Tina Turner. Um, one thing I thought was interesting, and, and again, I defer to you on a lot of this cap stuff, but if I'm not mistaken, the date that the Knicks acquired OG Ananobi gives them the possibility to still offer an extension by the end of the season. Now, I I never expected OG to take that with Toronto. Um, I think if he did, it would be a little bit below market value. But do you see a world where he maybe looks at that extension possibility differently now with the Knicks? And I believe it's four for $117 million roughly, right? Yeah, it's almost an average of um, of thirty million dollars, and it's funny when he got traded on December thirtieth, which was the deadline, right? Like, there's a six month um, restriction for players who get traded from when they can extend. So you go December thirtieth to June thirtieth. Here, everyone was like, "Oh my god, the extension!" Right? Which, yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly worth um, it's worth talking about here. Um, I think you know, you know, I think a lot of it was had to do with kind of getting him in your building for six months or 
getting him um, situated before the trade, instead of doing a trade deadline deal. And then basically you only have, you know, everyone thinks the trade deadline is the halfway point of the season. It's not. I mean, teams have already played like 50, 55 games here. Um, but yeah, I mean, New York could offer him four for like 118, 117, 118 on June 30th, or um, he can decline that option and then become a free agent and they can, you know, potentially sign him up to um, up to five years. I mean, what's interesting, I think, with the whole OG stuff, too, was that wasn't necessarily the package. And then the Knicks thought would get it done. You know, they had different conversations from what I was told, you know, certainly with R.J. Barrett being the focal point, uh, Canadian guy going to Toronto. And the thought originally was, well, it's going to be multiple draft picks. And instead, Toronto says, no, no, we value quickly more than those picks. And that's how, you know, quickly essentially ended up being, I would say, the equivalent of two first round picks in the eyes of Toronto. You get him under restricted free agency control. Obviously, they think he's a starting caliber guard for that team, and he's, he's thrived since. Um, but the, the shift in thinking of instead of like a rebuild with picks, it's more of a retool, I would say, with those guys. And so for the Knicks, that then it made things interesting because they thought at the time they were going to try to get both. And I'll get your thoughts on this in a sec, but both OG Ananobi and DeJounte Murray. And I, my sense was there was a thought that quickly would be potentially going to Atlanta instead, but obviously Toronto got him first and the Knicks prioritized OG Ananobi first. So now the Knicks have Evan Fournier's contract. They can dangle and they've got a boatload of uh, first round picks. So do you see them looking at trading more for a guy like DeJounte Murray or a guy that happened to be in the building recently at MSG, Malcolm Brogdon, who would certainly be cheaper and a potential guard off the bench for them that could fill the scoring void of quickly? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. I think um, the, the players that are earning in that $20 million range have more value than... Zach Levine, and possibly Pascal Siakam, just based on how this collective bargaining agreement is, is, is set up here. And if you look at how the Knicks have structured their books, right, there's there's no guy on the roster making more than $30 million, right? There's a lot. I mean, eventually, you know, when Jalen is extension eligible this, this offseason, he's going to he'll probably get a possibly a really good number here. Um, so if you're looking at New York, you've got so you've got the Fournier contract he's got a team option for next year okay eight right now it's around 18 million dollars you have up to eight first round picks you can trade you got your own four and then you got dallas um milwaukee in 2025 and then the other two is mm, i call them like the 50 cents on a dollar picks right Detroit and and the and the Wizards, the Wizards one maybe down the road. I don't think Detroit will ever come to fruition. That's why I said Knicks fans got mad at me at the time that the 2024 second. Um, we texted about it. I thought it was a little more valuable. Um, and I know this draft is not good, and <laughs> it's not it's not good at all. But you never know like what falls to you um, at the 30 uh, 31st pick here. So that's why I had a little more value here. Now for Fournier. I think there's a there's a yeah there's a timeline here because you let the deadline pass. Are you going to exercise his option and bring him back on a 19 million dollar salary and basically use it as a trade chip? Okay, because if you do, great. But then you're gonna have to pay Ananobi, right? 
you're going to have to pay probably Hartenstein. Um, who knows what will happen with Precious Achu, who could be restricted free. So then it starts adding up here. If you don't, if you decline the option and let's and, and there's no trade, you decline the option, then who are your tradable contracts? Right? Like then it's like then you have like your value guys, Brunson, um, Randall, uh, OG, you know, which could be a free agent, Josh Hart, um, DiVincenzo, guys, uh, Mitchell Robinson, guys like that who you know, are part of your kind of your core guys here. So that's why when I'm rating my trade guide, you know, what to watch Evan Fournier, like, and people are like, wait a minute, guy played two games this year. Well, yeah, because there's that business component of flipping that contract for that $20 million player for that $22 million player. And you, you hit it right on the head, whether it be DeJounte Murray, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, Murray's just signed that extension. He's got um, four years left after this year. Um, Brogdon's got another year left. Brogdon would fit in great here in New York. You know, what can, you know, can you, can you do it for, um, you know, Fournier and, and, and it probably would cost you a one, um, and New York has nine seconds available to go out and do, um, but those are the type of deals. And I know we all get caught up on those big name guys, right. But like those 20 million, those, the, the Bogdanovics of the world, um, you know, we said, um, you know, Murray Boyan for those. Oh uh, yeah. Boyan, maybe even Bogdan, <laughs> you know, who knows <laughs> what's going to happen in Atlanta here. I mean, basically it could be a fire sale down there and everything, but, but if you're in New York, you're looking at, um, you're looking at that. And I, and I know I, 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 Hey, I read, I read what people say, Hey, you know, Murray's a clutch guy and, you know, um, they're not going to do near uh, the Knicks aren't going to do business or the clutch isn't going to do business. And like, I get it. Like, I understand that world, but listen, if you can go out and get a player that can help you and he's under contract, he's not an expiring contract. You don't have to sell him on free agency. Um, you can go out and, um, you know, go out and do it if it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's certainly interesting to me. I think, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I think for the Knicks, you also talked about a lot of thoughts just like came to mind, but I guess I'll start with this with them. You also talk about um, having to pay Hartenstein and, and you mentioned Mitchell Robinson and guys on contracts and stuff that would make sense for them. First of all, if Evan Fournier ends up getting that option picked up, like kudos to you, my man. Like, he, he, you know, it's funny. We, um, um, there I've got, you know, I mean, I have a lifetime of experiences, right? Like, so it's basically right time, right place. Like, you know, listen, Keith Bogans was going to be a free agent in 2013. And we, we had to use him in a signing trade to Boston for that Pierce Garnett trade. And Keith made an extra $5 million. Um, Keith Van Horn. Now I'm really dating back. Keith Van Horn in 2008, <laughs> was a member of the Dallas Mavericks or actually had finished his career in Dallas and was basically retired. And we needed him as part of the Jason kid trade and basically paid him like, I don't know, six or five, five or $6 million and sat in our press room for a week and did nothing because we needed him. And, and, you know, the rule basically changed here. So yeah, I mean, like Fournier could be like, if he, if he's not on, uh, if he's not dealt by the, the deadline, I think there's a good chance that, that that option gets exercised and then New York figures out because there's going to be somebody available here, right? There's going to be that next disgruntled, the, someone's going to lose in the playoffs and some team's going to want to break up their group. And, you know, who knows it's who it's going to be? Is it going to be Donovan Mitchell? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, you know, Cleveland's playing really good basketball right now, right? Like we thought when 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 um when Garland and Mobley um you know basically I think it was the same day basically the injury report came out. Cleveland was thirteen and twelve. And then you then you you, you know you talk you say to yourself like are they going to get to have to get to a point where they're going to have to have the Donovan Mitchell uh, conversation now and not in in the summer here? So who knows who will become available? But I wouldn't. You know, like Evan Fournier is, could be in a really good spot as far as, you know, when you know where he is with that with that uh, that option next year. It's like you said, tradable contracts. And it's funny, you know, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell real quick. Anytime I call Cleveland and I just, you know, check in stuff around the league. Hey, Mike, what's going on? We're not trading Donovan Mitchell. How's everything going? I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even ask the question. I didn't I even ask the question, but it's, I get it. I, I know it's it's hey, listen. I get it, man. They gave up the farm for him. Um, well, well, this is their chance. Like, it, now yeah, you, like, listen, you got to go for it now. Yeah, if you, if you, if you didn't think, you know, then why did you do the trade? If you're going to trade a guy a year and a half later, yeah, like, no, right. I, like you knew. Listen, you knew he wasn't going to sign the extension this past off season, right? Like right. you knew, like real, like Logistics. they can only offer him three years. Like I, there was a business part of it. Yeah. Like now we get into this off season here. Right, we get yeah. into the 2024 offseason, and there's no extension. And he says, "You know what? I'm going to play out this year." Then you have to have that hard conversation internally, saying, "Wait a minute, do we do we play it out? Um, what do we do as far as what um, you know for for, uh, for Mitchell there?" Even then, I mean, they could take it to the deadline because you're assuming he's going to decline his player option eventually and get to free agency earlier. Um, but it's funny too, you know, down the line. You know, you were saying about guys that maybe could get traded, you know, like Minnesota's rolling right now. But if theoretically they get out in the first round, Carl Towns' name is going to pop up 100% because he's making, what is he making, by 50-something million now? Well, his Supermax, will, it's year one of the Supermax. So when you add in uh, him, Edwards, McDaniels, McDaniels Edwards, I mean, yeah. listen, everything is perfect during the season until the playoffs start. Right, and you lose in the first round, and you're facing the luxury tax for the first time, and whoever you know, in in the second apron, and all these roster restrictions, it makes it 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 makes you know they could get exposed, and you know out there, yeah. and in a they could get Phoenix in round one, for example. Um, so it yeah, I mean, there's there will be guys. Um, there always is, like there's always guys that are available. And you know, you touched a little bit on like Isaiah Hartenstein, and that they'd have to pay him. Do you think there's a world where he prices himself out of New York? Because because what is the most they can offer him is how much a year? Is it fourteen million a year? I, I haven't looked at the books. Yeah, he's got early bird. So, so uh, what like, can they so, give? Him? Like yeah, so like Austin Reeves and Herb Jones this past year were were, um, were early bird. There was like twelve million. It's going to go up a little bit per. Yeah. Um, so he could be in that thirteen, fourteen. Listen, played eighty two games last year, right? Like Tibbs loves this guy, man. So. He is probably he's looking at at least non-tax mid-level money, which is at thirteen million, because he's reliable. Like he knows his role, he's reliable here. So we'll we'll. I mean, certainly. I mean, the one thing he can't do is um, you know sign early bird at thirteen and do it you know two year uh, one year deal and then become a free agent. Early bird's got to be two years. Um, so um, he's been really um, you know he's been really good for them. No, I agree, and I mean. It's obviously uh, been good to see him play well as as he gets a chance to start. We'll see if it carries through going forward. I mean, it's short sample size, but he's played well. Um, 
the Knicks had inquired about Wizards center Daniel Gafford, I, I was told. But, I mean, when they got the acquisition of Precious and Chua with OG Ananobi in that trade, it, it should lessen that interest on paper. And I, I always thought that, you know, money-wise, uh, that would be a little bit of a tough fit. But notable nonetheless because Nick fans always ask me if they were trying to get a center. You touched on at the top of the uh, the pod intro that people want to know what the Lakers are doing. So um, I agree. The, the Lakers have got <laughs> they've gotten linked to <laughs> Dejounte Murray, um, but I don't see them moving Austin Reeves for him right now. Um, and then you've got the Zach Levine trade talks, and you know names like D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura have uh, you know popped up a little bit there, but. Chicago's need for a point guard may have decreased with the way Kobe White's been playing. He's currently averaging 18 points, about five rebounds, five assists. Um, When you look at the Lakers, Bobby, I'm curious what you think of the DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine rumors and and what they could realistically do with the deadline here in a month. Yeah, I I think Levine, you know, especially when you go went through the the Russell Westbrook um, top heavy roster three max guys um, that was under the old CBA. I mean, our, you know, you know, Levine, you basically would have to trade probably three or at least three players, maybe even four um, just to get the money to work. Um, so you're looking at a combination of Hachimura, uh, Russell. Um, they got to, you know, someone, you know, another, you know, put another guy in there. I don't know if it's Torian Prince, um, you know, player like that. Um, they've got one first round pick they can trade in 2029. I mean, just from what I've been told, and it's certainly things changed, you know, that there's no appetite to add a third max guy. Like, they're, they're, they're con- the content would be as far as kind of having, they have, I think, 13 guys that make between like 1-1 one, one and 17 million. So there's a balance there, right? Like, that's what, that's what, the, that's what you want to do. You know, you got to have those 13 guys got to play for you, right? Like, they yeah. have to be good players. You could just, you, just because you have that, doesn't mean you're going to be like a championship roster here. Now, uh, Murray is interesting. We, you know, we mentioned him before because he's, you know, he's making $20 million. He fits in there. Um, you know, does what does um Russell and a um and a first do for Atlanta? You know, when you work in a front office, what I've learned is, is that there is a pride element to things. So what I why I say that is like, listen, you just traded for DeJounte Murray two years or I guess a year and a half ago and you gave up two ones, unprotected ones, and an unprotected pick swap. And those picks have not come to fruition. So if you're Atlanta saying like, well, we need to get those back, you know, in another deal, you know. I think you're going to be waiting for a while. Like, I don't think you're going to get that, what you gave up for him here. And I think for, um, you know, I think if I was the Lakers, I would see, you know, like, Hey, listen, Caruso and, De- and DeRozan, right? Like it, but, but what I have to give up, you know, but you might have to give up Austin reason that like, that's like, you know, um, you know, DeRozan could, could become a free agent. Caruso has got one of the better contracts here. Um, you know, so if, I think for, if you're the Lakers, you know, outside of Reeves um, and certainly Davis and James, who's not getting traded, like, can you make a case that any player in that roster is a is a positive trade asset like that? You don't have to attach a draft pick for like, you know, like they're, they've got, you know, like I like I like Hachimura, like, you know, 
know, I like Tori and Prince, like and stuff like that. I like their younger players, um, Max Christie and Jalen Hood Shafino. I like those guys and stuff like that. But to go get like DeMar DeRozan, for example, you know, can you can you can you make the, can you make that argument? No, I agree. And I mean, you you know, you mentioned DeMar, you talk about Zach, but I, I'll I will ask you on DeJounte. I mean, he's been linked to obviously the Knicks. I've certainly reported on that interest. Uh the Lakers. Philadelphia came up. That surprised me a little bit. I don't necessarily think that's the greatest fit with Tyrese Maxey. I get it that it's like the clutch backcourt connection, but other than that, I don't necessarily. Yeah, see I mean it. Philly, Philly's Philly's interesting because like I think if you're Philadelphia, and I know kind of going off tangent here with them, like I think if you're Philadelphia, you're, you're trying to hedge your bet as far as like, hey, we all say like, oh, it's great, they're gonna have fifty five million dollars in cap space and sixty million dollars, but for who? Like, hey, who's gonna thank be there? you. Thank right? you. If anything, Bobby, I thought they would have maybe tried to trade for like OG or something. Yeah. Now you, and that's then, what that, that the ultimate goal is to combine the trade deadline and free agency where you're going out and getting like one or two guys now, and then having the option either to retain your free agents, your DeAnthony Melton, your Tobias Harris, or go out and do some free agency. Shopping. Exactly. The worst case scenario, and, and listen, this could come back and bite me in the, in the you know what, in six, the worst case scenario is for Philadelphia to go into free agency with $60 million in cap space. Because to get there, you basically, you have to renounce every player on your roster except for Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, um, who's free agent, Embiid's on the contract. You'd have Paul Reed and you have Jane Springer. Yeah, hey, that's not folks, it. You want you want proof on on teams with three max players when it doesn't work out. Look at Phoenix. I mean, like, and that's that's like I'm not ready to pour dirt on them, but we're seeing it right now when you have three guys at forty million dollar contracts and then nine guys making two million dollars. Like, it's you got to hit in free agency here. So I think if you're Philadelphia, like you want to go out and get a twenty million dollar guy, you know, I don't know if Bogdanovic will become available. Um, guys like that, we you know we talked about. Yeah, you know, Brogdon, um, and then go into free agency here with the flexibility to add within either your own or, or somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even, you know, Bogdanovich, I don't even, the Pistons, you know, they, they want to seem like they want to keep trying to compete. So I don't necessarily see him going anywhere yet if they're trying to stick to that. But no, listen, if you, hey, if they, if they want to flip Alec Burks for like, um, Oh sure. Oh, one listen. of the expirings didn't get a second. Easy. That's fine, right? That's that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you touch on Phoenix. I would say the days of the big threes are going down to the top duos now. And can you win with your three and four guys? And yeah. that's what the Knicks are doing now. Yeah. Like they've come off a little bit of we need just a star. It's now more. All right. Well, we got Jalen. We got Julius. Can we get? a third and fourth guy that are going to beat other teams, third and fourth guys and win by committee. Um, almost to an extent in the mold of the way the Detroit Pistons beat the Lakers years ago. It was by committee. It wasn't by just the top star talent because Kobe and Shaq were better. But um, that that seems to be more the mold. And for the Knicks, they got to figure out kind of who that uh, that fourth guy would be. But uh, circling back, I think, to the original question i think i did have for you was with Dejounte. like where i just realized we, we went on such a tangent which which is good listen we could do this for three hours and we can charge admission you know maybe next time <laughs> i mean when you do look at um 
DeJounte. I, like, you know where he would be a good fit? Wait, I was going to say, where do you see him ending up? But sure, give me both. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say where. I don't want to get. The, I don't want the aggregators out there saying this is where he's getting traded. I would say, okay. you know where he would be a good fit? Okay. Brooklyn. That's where he would be a good fit. A guard that can score, um, can kind of create for others. Um, I look at this Nets team as one-dimensional. Um, they are, I mean, if they're not making threes, they're no better than Detroit and San Antonio and some of the teams in the bottom here. And you basically have Mikhail Bridges, who's a, a number three on a really good, on a championship team. He's your, third, he's your third best player. And Cam Johnson's a nice, you know, nice starter for you. And, you know, and certainly then, then what do you, then what do you have after that? Right. You know, you've got a bunch of wing, big wings, and you got Nick Claxton, who's going to be a free agent and you got draft capital here. And what would the cost be? Is it, it, you know, certainly, I mean, you watched the Portland game the other night or the other afternoon and, you know, you know, I think we can write the, the writing on the wall for Spencer Dinwiddie. He's probably like, listen, he, you know, he's, benched in crunch time for Dennis Smith Jr. So what would what would it cost you? Is it does it cost you Dinwiddie and um one of the Phoenix picks that maybe you can put some protection on? Does it cost you, you know, you've got some things to do here. Um and now you have you have that, you know, that 22, 23 million dollar player because even if Dinwiddie and and Claxton and Royce O'Neal leave, what are you left with? 25 million in cap space? Because nobody's talking about Ben Simmons anymore. Like that Simmons number at 38 million is sitting there and it's 40 next year. And it's going to continually sit there until he can get on, he gets on the court. And I have no idea when that's going to be. Neither does he. He actually hasn't given a timetable on that yet. It was as I saw some tweets about him in Paris, you know, you know, he, he was on the court. He did some, some drills. They showed that, or I shouldn't say they show that someone captured the footage and then, you know, it wasn't like released as a press release. I shouldn't say that, but someone caught it and then he was, he was warming up and stuff. But since you jumped to the nets, I'll, I'll go with DeJounte first. That's interesting. I like that. Um, people can't see the, 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 the meme face I'm making, but I definitely it's think your that's, thinking. It's your thinking uh, face. Yeah, I mean, I think no, I do think it's interesting, and the Nets have been like a little too quiet. You know, the Nets are a team that I would say is they they know what they are right now. They are open for business and certainly taking calls. Um, you know, they've got a a glut of wings. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. Um, you know, it's interesting. I feel like if they keep Royce O'Neal, you almost wonder if they're going to try to make a run at Donovan Mitchell because they're very close friends with Dorian Finney Smith, great affordable contract. Um, a guy that could fit literally on every team, but on a championship contender or a high caliber playoff team, he'd be great. You know, they would want the equivalent of two first round picks for him. I'm told um, you touched on Dinwiddie. Now this ties into Ben Simmons a little bit before the season when Dinwiddie was eligible to do an extension, my, from what I'm told, they had, you know, brief exploratory short-term talks, whether it would have been a one-year extension or a two-year extension. Um, obviously, it didn't come to fruition. Dinwiddie wanted a longer deal. But then you mentioned about, well, it kind of seems like the end of the road for him here for, you know, 
round two for Dinwiddie with the Nets. I would tend to agree when you look at the roster. Um, you know, it, it's it's been tough for him. When he attacks and he's down and he goes downhill, he does make them a better team. But uh, it's been inconsistent. He certainly wants to be a part of a team's core. We did a podcast earlier in the year, he and I, and he made it clear, like, you know, if, if he left, then, you know, he helped left, leave the Nets in better hands and, you know, he'll still be a Nets fan. He sounded like a guy that knew eventually, you know, he'd be probably gone. Um, I, I don't know where he would theoretically end up, but he'd be he'd be interesting in that sense. I He always talks about the core. He mentions everybody else, not him. And I agree with that because they're certainly valuing all the other guys more. Um Trying to think who else you Ben. Okay, so Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, you can't count on him at all. Period. No. Um, at all. No. I, I. You know. I know. Like all summer, it, he was hyped up like you know Don King, that he's going to come back and do all this stuff, and physically just hasn't been able to do it. You can't trust it at this point. The the talk of him as a former three time All Star. Key word is former. You can't view him like that right now because he can't get on the court. And when he but does, Mike, Mike he doesn't he, attack if, the if rim. Ben, if Ben Simmons was a free agent this offseason, he would get the minimum. I could, I could, I could, because he's not reliable. I mean, gonna, he's not that, reliable. That, that would get you aggregated. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. I mean, he's not reliable. What team out there, unless you're going to sign him and put a um, an injury protection clause in there? Yeah. That basically protects basically every part of his body. Um, what team would go out there and and I thought he was I thought he was pretty good in the games he played. Um, you know th- this year here, but since 2020-21, you know he hasn't played. He's look. He's rebounded and passed the ball while he's been an above average defender. Not the all defensive team player on defense, but the biggest thing, Bobby. I'm I'm there. I saw all the games. He didn't drive to the rim in the half court. Doesn't want to go to the foul line. You can't have that. You're 6'10". It's I don't know if it's a confidence thing or or what it is, but when that's not happening, that that's a problem. Um they also got to pay Nick Claxton and you know they're making it seem like they're preparing to pay him and Nick told me he wants to resign in Brooklyn when he and I did our interview earlier this year. Um, I have him somewhere in the 20 to 25 yeah. million range. You, He's you probably where Pirtle got right somewhere, you know, what was Pirtle four for 80 in Toronto? Um, I, I think I actually like Nick better <laughs> than Pirtle. Um, so I think he's, yeah, I think that's probably his range. Okay. Um, anything else you see on the, uh, on the nets that's that's sticking out to you? Yeah, they're just in this weird spot, right? Like they're in a weird spot because Houston controls their draft picks for the next four years, right? I mean, that's I mean, where normally you would want to be like, you know what, we have our own pick, we're gonna tear it down, we're gonna t- build around McHale, um, and kind of go from there, but there's no um there's no incentive, right? There's no incentive to do that. But at the other end, you do have all these expiring contracts, and we certainly made we talked about Dinwiddie and like who's your point guard next year, right? Like who's who's your point guard? I think you're 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 you have a good sense everywhere everything else, 
as far as whether it be Mikhail and Cam and if you bring Claxton back and you still got Royce. Um, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with some of these guys they drafted, you know. Um I got I got one more nuts one for you before I forget, because this is a hot topic to me. Yeah. Cam Thomas, right? Yeah. Cam Thomas is like one of the most polarizing players in the league, I think. Yeah. And before he got benched, I don't mm-hmm. even think people realize this. Cam Thomas was the leading scorer for the Nets before they they moved him to the bench. I'm curious from you, the, the guy has improved, yeah. I think. He got oh, he, to does. The, he has. He he's gotten to the rim more. He, he's drawn fouls. His shot selection improved. I won't say it's always the best, but it, it improved. What what are your thoughts on Cam Thomas's play and potential plans for him with the Nets? Yeah, listen, he he has. I mean, I think he's gotten better. He gets to the free throw line a lot more than he did a year ago, and I, I think that's a sign of a guy who's just not relying on shooting jumpers, right? Like that's that is a that is a positive here. Um, you know, you hear he's an empty stack guy, right? He's a guy that can put up 29 and you're going to lose consistently. Um, Cam Thomas for me is a sixth man right now um, and could be a high, high level six man. You know, I mean, there's no like, Hey, Jordan Clarkson was a six man for a long time and was, and was really good. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. He's extension eligible this off season because he's going into year next year will be year four. What do you do with him? How do you, and, and it's what's hard is, and I understand the fan base in in Brooklyn because team uh, fan bases prioritize, and it's like one of their own ch- children, right? When you get drafted by that organization and you develop, and there are some moments of really good play, that he's like one of ours, right? Like you know, Claxton's one of ours. Um, so there is a sensitivity there. Um, so I think eventually you're going to have to figure out like, you know, and is that, is, is, is Cam Thomas fine with being a six man? Right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a good point. And you mentioned, you know, Jordan Clarkson. I mean, look, some, some other guys had said to me, well, you know, on a championship caliber team, which is what everybody ultimately aspires to be one day, um, maybe a Lou Williams, maybe a Jamal Crawford type of guy. And that's fine. Those guys are going to get paid by the way. But it's just been a weird dynamic to me with the Nets and him. But um, that I oh, the 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 irony of talking Nets with you again is always is always fun. But I wanted to switch a little West Coast too because you talked about maybe Dimwitty potentially being a guy out. There's another veteran point guard. I've always wondered if he would be on the move at a certain point given his number, and it's Chris Paul. The Golden yeah. State Warriors, especially now with the injury. And, and this is more cap-related stuff, which is yeah. in the wheelhouse. But yeah. I, I was curious if you think Golden State can trade Chris Paul in a package, whether it doesn't have to be just him, and and get some value for him. Because, you know, you talk to execs around the league. Andrew Wiggins is the guy they're looking at who, who can be the guy that's moved there, given the way that he's moved to the bench and um, – how he's played since his all-star caliber season. But lastly, you know, Jonathan Kaminga is a guy that they want to keep. They don't want him going anywhere because he's gotten better. And more importantly, he's affordable given the luxury tax concerns they have with their core and they have to keep Clay Thompson this summer. So summarizing all that, is there a way that they move Chris Paul here before the deadline and get and get value for him. Because I, I always wondered if they would make sense for like a Siakam dark horse team, but 
they don't seem to think that because it's going to cost too much money and uh, a luxury tax. So what say you, my friend? Well, I mean, I think <clears throat> real quick on Siakam, I think there's a little bit of, you know, there's a blueprint as far as in Toronto, as far as what Masai is looking for, right? He's looking for like guys that can help, like, you know, the yeah. Barrett quickly guy, you know, draft equity is not as important. Um, you know, you know, free, you know, creating uh, uh, cap space is not that important here. Golden State for me, and when Chris uh, broke his hand, I think it was Friday, you know, Warrior fans were like, well, wait a minute, now his trade, what's going to happen with his trade value? And I'm like, wait a minute. It had nothing to do with what he was doing on the court. It was because he had a $30.8 million contract this year, and it's non-guaranteed next year. Like, that's his trade value here. And for me, I think it's all dependent on how much ownership wants to spend. How much How much does ownership wanted, want to continually to spend? They've spent... $690 million, I think, since 2014-15 in luxury tax penalties. They bought the team for $350. And I know they're printing money out in this, in this. And I know Joe Lakeup has been, you know, out in front as far as what these new rules and we'll figure it out. And we're a championship team and all these things here. So you don't need to be a math major to figure out what's coming here, right? You've got $144 million in, in contracts next year. That does not include Chris Paul, $30 million, and it does not include re-signing Clay Thompson. The, the luxury tax is $172. The apron is $190. So if you're the goal is to re-sign uh, Clay, are you comfortable moving Chris Paul and whatever you know draft picks are, for a player that has money owed next year? Mm -hmm. Or as you said, Siakam and then pay him $35, $40 million. If they are, great. Great. You can, you know, you're gonna be, you know, those are you'll have to just deal with the rules and stuff and the penalty and stuff like that. And that's what that's what Golden State has to figure out here. Um, because he goes into um, you know, you don't you don't do anything. And I think if you're the the ultimate would be to try to move Wiggins before Paul, because basically if you get if you trade that number for a comparable salary in that $23, $24 million range that can help because the Wiggins Kaminga grouping, you know, the numbers are not good. I mean, Steve Kerr's come out and said it when the two of them are on a court and then you can basically do something with either release Paul and then you're in pretty good financial shape here. But I think it's a matter of like, you know, as I said, like how much does Joe Lakeup want to spend? If he wants to spend though, they, they can, they can be aggressive. No, it's, it's, it's a fair question. And, you know, we touched a little bit on Siakam there. I mean, for Pascal, I look at the teams that have been mentioned, you know, Sacramento, I don't think they have, without Keegan Murray, I don't see it. I really don't. Jack, the, you know, and it goes back to like, you know, like if you're going to, if you're going to trade Keegan Murray in a Siakam deal, and now you have Fox, who is supermax could be supermax eligible this offseason. He's all NBA. Sabonis on a max. And now you got Siakam on a max. We we I had just talked about this with James Ham on a on a podcast, you know, one of the Kings reporters I respect. And you know what's interesting about me? I don't know if you had had seen it yet, but he said that Sacramento thinks that Keegan Murray's gonna be better than Lowry Markinen, which I think is okay. Yeah, and that's thank fair. You. Thank you. That's that's fair. So I so in that aspect, you got the Kings, the Hawks have been talked about. I don't know. You know, Indiana, I think Indiana listen, I, I'm not, Indiana I'm not has the best packages. Off. 
I'm not basing this off, you know, sources or anything. I'm just yeah. looking at yeah, from being in a front office. I think Indiana would be the perfect team. Well, I, now, you know, here's the thing, Bobby. They they had extensive conversations at the G League showcase in Orlando about this. I think Indiana has some of the best assets to offer. Yeah. Because Atlanta doesn't want to move Jalen Johnson. The Kings don't want to move Keegan Murray. Well, the Pacers have Jarris Walker. Yeah. They have Buddy Heald, who mm -hmm. can shoot, and his contract. You've got picks. Yep. And if you really want to, you could try to throw Ben Matherin in there. Mm. You could. You could. I don't know could. if I would want to. <laughs> I, no, I hear you. But, you know, um, it's like for Ben, Canadian guy. Yeah. So you know how Masai is about that. If he can yeah. if he, look at, look at RJ Barrett, but again, I don't know if that'd be a fit, but just spitball. My, my thing is Indiana to me, it would just come down to whether Siakam would want to stay there. Number one. And if they want to pay him, mm -hmm. because to me, all this talk about Siakam, well, he don't want to go here. Well, he wants to stay It's, it's almost like a leverage play. Listen, he wants listen, the money. Listen, how many, how many high level free agents, Mike? Yep have switched teams in the offseason. Besides, besides, besides the 2019 Durant, Kyrie, Kawhi. That's, that was since then. Fred Van Vliet, last offseason, right? Goes to, from Toronto to Houston. And at the time, I mean, could we put Jalen Brunson in there in 2022? Going from Dallas to New York? I mean, Jalen has exploded. I mean, Jalen yeah. was a good player in Dallas. I mean, he's an all-star in New York now. Guys don't switch teams, especially if, if, if I'm Indiana and I'm saying, I'm going to give you five for 230. Here you go. Four for 200. They have max cap space this summer to do it. Well, they'll get his bird rights. You know, no, no, I'm saying, that's it. if they trade for him. Yeah. Well, here, but here's the other thing. So we, we can say that Indiana's got flexibility. They could, but here's what, here's what happens. You basically got to uh, not exercise the team option of Bruce Brown. Okay. Uh, you basically have to renounce Buddy Heald. You got to um, waive TJ McConnell. It's a lot. It's a lot. So the trade standpoint is where you, you have to kind of capitalize on. I, I agree with you. Um, do you think Siakam gets a max contract? Or what do you think his value is in free agency? You know, it's all based on circumstances, um, based on, you know, um, listen, there's, there's, there could be 10 teams that have significant room. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, there, but then you go, then it's like kind of like process of elimination. Does Oklahoma City need them? I don't think so. I don't think Oklahoma City's there. You know, does Orlando need them? They got Paolo Bencaro, right? Like you just go down, does Philly need them? Yeah, could. Right. Like they could. Um, it's just like, the you know, you just keep off, you know, checking off, um, checking off teams like like him, you know, like him being on the Raptors um, roster on 501 on February 8th, like wouldn't surprise me because, listen, you can you could always put him in a sign and trade. If you wanted, you know, if you, if you had to, um, you know, you could always resign him and everything like that. Um, so like his number I think is based on, you know, kind of what the market will be. No, I, I agree. And I mean, look, if, if you can't get Siakam, there's other forwards out there, you know, Kyle Kuzma is a guy that's going to be talked about for sure. Given where Jeremy Washington, Grant, 
You know, you took the you took the next guy out of my mouth. Just saw him recently. Um, he's, you know, it's funny. I know we were joking when he first signed that extension, <laughs> and I I said that you know a bunch of executives the second he got it and Dame left, they were like, all right, this guy is going to be a trade candidate to watch. And I think you, you, texted you didn't even me. let him. You didn't even. I texted you dude, that <laughs> night. Was, I think it was June thirtieth, and I said, God damn it, Mike. Can you let the guy just enjoy signing for what five for one six? You got him in trade rumors already. I think he said to, to me, did the ink even dry yet? Jeez, <laughs> let the guy enjoy it, man. Oh, he enjoyed it. But I think other exec, you know, other executives I spoke to definitely like, well, he enjoyed it. But for Portland, how long are they going to enjoy paying that given where they're at? Um, and, you know, certainly he's different. At, like the Kuzma contract is really good because it descends. Like that's a yeah. good, that's a good contract. Like, you know, Jeremy's a little rich, you know, I mean, cause it's five, five years kind of scares you a little bit, but, but as the cap goes and stuff like that, and he's a, you know, he's probably your fourth best player um, on a, on on a, a championship team. team yeah. yeah. Um. So like, but it depends on like how much does draft picks mean to Portland? They've, they've added a ton. Eventually you got to start, Right. You, you just yeah. can't be 25 and 57 forever. Right. Like you got to, you know, and, but this is year one for them kind of going through this process. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think for, for those guys, um, do, you know, the way you said to me, like DeJounte Murray would fit on the nets um, in your opinion, when you look at Kuzma Grant, I mean, look, certainly Dallas, I've heard Dallas wants an yeah. upgrade at the four slash three. I think. Yeah, they've got, listen, they've gotten good minutes from Derek Jones, but he's on a minimum and he's going to be a free agent. Derek, right? like, like, yeah, to me, like Jeremy Grant would fit that mold more than Kuzma. Um, you know, you always got to look at the Pistons. They've got to desperately make some upgrades there. I mean, they seem to want to because the rebuild has taken longer than they thought. Um. When you look at Kyle Kuzma and Jeremy Grant, you know, separately, do you see certain teams that you think would be good fits for both of those guys separately? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Grant would be interesting in, you know, certainly Philadelphia, but I don't know if I'm willing to give up two first round picks for him. You know, I mean, you already got Tobias. So what does that, you know, mm -hmm. you know, what does that, um, what does that do for you? I think um, Sacramento, you know, we talked about, um, you know, I'm not, you know, Sacramento gets a little bit funky kind of, um, you know, with Barnes and, you know, and Trey Lyle has been pretty decent off the bench and stuff like that. But, um, you know, does one of those two guys, you know, you could have, they, they, they could have gone after one of them in free agency if, um, but they, you know, wound up renegotiating Sabonis and yeah. um, kind of went in a different direction, which is certainly, certainly fine here. Um, you know, what's the, what's the, you know, what do you got to give up? You know, if you're, you know, can you do a, can you do a Barnes and Davian Mitchell and a first? I don't know. If, I don't think that's enough. No, um, because like, yeah, I mean like four guys on four year contracts that are making, you know, 21, $22 million are really good numbers. Yeah. Like those are really good numbers. That's, it goes back to when we talked about like, you know, who has more value, $20 million guys or $40 million guys. Well, that's the thing. Some of these $40 million guys, they're, a little overpaid comparatively. And um, I think you mentioned kind of like those guys specific. You think you said specifically those guys are more valued than like a Zach Levine. And, you know, Woj just certainly talked about his market is not um, ripe. It's more barren at this point. 
Um, you know, we, we talked about those guys. I mean, you know, the then you go to me like another tier. Then you go down to smaller guys like maybe a Kelly Olenek who mm-hmm. I could see fitting on a lot of teams. And, you know, Utah, like Lowry Markinen, I think that was more other teams trying to speak that. Into Kelly Olenek would be good in New York. For the Knicks? Yeah. Gives him a stretch, stretch big. Guy can make shots. Well, I mean, that that's the, what have you heard anything on what Utah would want for Kelly Olenek? Well, hey, listen, they're playing good basketball lately. <laughs> I mean, they're play, yeah, they're not a, they're not the ten and twenty team anymore. I mean, they're eight, at this point like eighteen and twenty, and they they got a chance. I think it's I think it's important for them to get into the playing. I mean, I I mean, eventually you got to put you know I you know they were in a position last year and they did wind up doing the Conley trade and then they kind of realized who they were right like basically they were full re- retooling and then building towards the draft. Um, you know, what is the, you know, what's the difference between the 12th pick in a draft and the 14th pick in a draft or the, you know, there's, it, there's Nothing. not much here. So, um, so I think it's a matter of kind of where they are when it gets to February 8th. I, as far as, uh, I mean, the other thing is Danny Ainge loves him. I'll say that, but Lowry marketing got talked about a lot. And I think that was more other teams trying to speak that into existence. Um, as far as Lowry, I've written this certainly, and I think his preference certainly would be to do a renegotiation yeah. and an extension. This is your wheelhouse. I'm going to let you yeah. kind of take the wheel here of the bus. Um, do you see that realistically happening if they don't make a move? Because it's, it's dependent on cap space. I don't think yeah. people understand that necessarily, but how do you see that potential? How do you see that potentially working out for Utah? And do you think that ultimately happens with Lowry, who's certainly coming to his own as a member of the Jazz? Well, I mean, the first thing, and I, I wrote about it last summer, the first thing I would do is, is, is guarantee his contract for next year <laughs> because it's only partially guaranteed, which is amazing. You I know? thought they did that already. I don't think they did. That $18 million number, I don't think, I think it's still partial. Um, I mean, I... It, so spoiler alert, that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think you, you look at what, I mean, he meets the criteria. It's, uh, Utah's got cap space. They did it. Um, they did it this past off season with Jordan Clarkson. Clarkson's different though, because they basically gave him a nice raise this year and then they declined it by, by 40% going down. I think for marketing, it would be similar to what Sabonis did where you try to get him close to what his max number would be. And do you want to just flat it out or do you want to, um, give him that bump here, but um, but yeah, I mean, he, I think he's, you know, I think he's got tremendous value to the Jazz. You know, I mean, how they already got like you know fourteen first round picks. Like, what do you want? Another nine? Another five or four? Like, so it's, yeah. it's a matter of just kind of keeping good players in house. Not only that, Bobby, keeping guys that want to play in Utah, yeah, is vitally important and. I certainly think Lowry would be amenable to if you want to, you know, make it scaling down going forward and give yourself like a little more flexibility. But what what's the total on that for him for a renegotiation Ooh. and an extension potentially? It's isn't it four for like two hundred or something? Yeah, it's 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 in north of um because you count the the renegotiation part and then the then the total the, then the extension part. It's, it'd be probably north of two hundred million dollars. And that's including money for next year, theoretically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, two other teams that kind of stuck out to me, Detroit. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I just had to pause for a second. You think, you think they can break their streak again? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> Good Lord. I, oh, Lord. You know what, though, Bobby? Not for nothing. When have you ever seen an organization go through such a tailspin that bad of that long of a losing streak and nobody gets fired? I know. I went through it in 2000. Was that 0910? Lawrence got fired. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I was actually putting Christmas ornaments out on my, I was putting a reindeer on my front lawn and I uh, got the call from Lawrence, just got fired. Um, yeah, it's, um, it was something else, you know, as far as what, um, what's going on in Detroit here. And, um, I think the disappointing thing for me is that like, and I, and I said it, you know, like, you know, some of their younger guys aren't like Marcus Sasser has basically been collecting DMPs. Um, the Sar Thompson's minutes have really, um, you know, declined. Um, like what's, what's the end goal here? Um, you know, you still have Bogdanovic, you got Alec Burks, um, like the rest of that group, as far as, um, trade value, Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman and, and all that there, I mean, Isaiah um, got you know, I mean, listen, you can point to, and I'm sure they will, and they, they, they could probably spin it this way. Like, look at what Houston did, you know, Houston had 70 million in room and they wound up going out and getting Van Bleed and Dylan Brooks and Jeff Green and things turned around. You know, they're now, you know, playing team here and you could, you could spin that hard to do though. Really hard to do really hard to, to build a roster with cap space, unless you're Miami and you get LeBron Wade and Bosch. Like somebody, it's really hard to do. Somebody's going to get that money. So, I mean, somebody, some, well, there you go. Like, so you're asking about Siakam, like maybe he's there four for 200 and something. Right. I mean, yeah, I I just don't know if they make like a move at the deadline and maybe alter some of their younger pieces or not and for just different positions. We'll see. Well, but. I had always said like, you know, did it did it make sense, you know, I don't know where, you know, Zach is health-wise and stuff like that. Did, did it make sense for them to go in and say, "You know what? We're just going to give you uh Burks um you know, whatever to get the numbers to work, right? Like in a um one, you get in Marcus Sasser you know, expirings and um, for Levine. Because like, hey, when are we going to get a chance to get an all-star type guy? No, it's true. That, so. um, and if they ever got Siakam, that'd be Blake Griffin 2.0 to me. But <laughs> the other team I was just curious on, you know, Houston, you know, they could use a backup big man, maybe a little yeah. bit of shooting. They've got Victor Oladipo's expiring contract. The ever-tradable and flexible contract of Jack Londale, who they yeah. overpaid a little bit, which made sense to have that flexibility as a as a trade number. Worked out for him because he got a lot more money than he would have in Phoenix. But the Rockets, they are looking to win. They are looking to make a starting caliber upgrade if they can with that, from what I've heard. Um, would, did, do you see anything with them there? Well, I mean, listen, there's a reason why um, – um, Oladipo, um, when the, he was traded for, wasn't waived, right? Like, there's a reason why that you know he has an 8.5 million dollar expiring contract, and you can use it instead of a, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl who was making 1.7, maybe can give you four points. 
Um, they've got, you know, all those Brooklyn picks, which um, certainly I think you got to, you know, temper as far as moving off them based on, you know, um, you know where the, where the nets are. Um, but they're in a, um, you know, they're in a, you know, you could, there's one or two ways you can go. You can say, I want to see where this group is in April. Um, if we're a playing team, I want to see where this group is, how we react to big games down the stretch, what it needs to be due or, you know, or, you know, what can, you know, as you said, old Depot, Londale, you know, the guys making $16 million, you can bring back, you know, 23, $24 million in a trade if you want to here. Um, so they're, I mean, they've been active every year. Um, um, but, and they do have, you know, things to move outside of like, you can, like you can move guys and not touch your core, right? Like Oklahoma city can go out and make a deal and not touch their core eight. You know, they've got, you know, like Trey man contract, um, Pokusevsky guys like that, um, you know, on the back end to go out and see if they get a big backup big, um, you know, and not, not, you know, move any of your main guys around. People are, everybody's wondering if OKC is going to make a move. To me, they would hold on to that treasure chest for like the godfather offer of an elite star if he ever came became available. They'd, yeah, I mean, I, listen, there. You know, if all things play out, um, you know, they they'll likely probably a top four seed, and I, I want to see how these guys are in the playoff. I want to see them in a first round playoff series, and that that that's that's your that's the best way to evaluate a team. You know, put them in a, put them in a, you know, have them down. You lose, lose the first game at home. Go win a game on the road. See how guys react differently in, in, in the playoffs than, you know, game 65. No, for sure. Um, man, brother, this, I'll tell you this, this was fun. This was, thorough. well, listen, you texted me and said 35, 40 minutes. And I said to myself, there's no way we're doing it for 35, <laughs> 40 minutes here. Hey, I, you you kept going. I appreciate you. you. We did yeoman's work on this. This uh, this was a lot of fun. I do appreciate. It. I figured I'd get you now because I know we're both going to be swamped close to the trade deadline. Um, but I do, brother. I do appreciate you coming on, taking time out. Um, you can catch Bobby on TV on ESPN. You can check out his articles on ESPN.com. Eventually, uh, he's going to have registration available for the Sports Business Classroom, which is a great program. They've developed a lot of talent with um, young executives, and and and, uh, and <clears throat> excuse me, they have programs to help you learn about the CBA and whatnot. There is a chance. I'm there. Spoiler alert. We'll talk about it. We'll be in our own negotiations. Um, but I, I certainly look forward to that for sure. It's a fun event in the summer during summer league. Um, if, if you guys can check it out, I'm sure I'll put more info out there soon. But I appreciate you joining me, brother. And, uh, enjoy the uh, the rest of the day, my man. Thanks, Mike. Always a pleasure. My man. I also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Bobby, too. He's at Bobby Marks 42 Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.